0: When someone has a, a trauma in their life, what ends up happening is that our defense mechanisms that are so securely in place, like our, we have habitual behavior, habitual thought patterns. I get up, I do this, I burn through the day, I come home, I do this. All of that changed for lots and lots and lots of folks. And so as much as people felt a lot of anxiety and felt very unsteady about that, this moment has been and still is an opportunity to do a lot of growth a lot of growing in a short period of time. So anything dramatic or traumatic, therapeutically speaking, it's like it opens the window to transformation. You just got to like stick your arm or your foot through and then throw your body through and decide you're going to do something different. You're going to learn something different. You're going to, instead of just being afraid, you're going to uncover why it's so hard.
1: You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast with Andrea Owen, episode number 385, with guest Terry Cole. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insights to empower yourself. everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Does everyone love the new intro music? I hope you do because I am mildly obsessed. I love it so much. I can't not wiggle my butt around in my chair when I hear it. So again, that's why I knew it was perfect intro music for this show. And so I'm recording this on a Monday. And on Saturday, day before yesterday, I got my Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. And it's the one shot. And uh, so I got it, let's see, it was like 1230 in the afternoon. And then I went home, you know, like all anticipating the, uh, the side effects. Felt okay, went to bed, woke up twice throughout the night, which isn't that unusual. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, welcome to middle age. And I woke up at five in the morning, feeling like I got hit by a truck. Yes, it and, and I don't get sick all that often. I'm very grateful for my strong immune system, as it seems. And I woke up and, and it felt like a hangover. So it was like mildly triggering <laughs> to feel that. I was like, oh my God. Just a really bad headache in the front. My ears felt a little bit clogged. I got up, took some ibuprofen, went back to sleep, slept for a couple more hours. And then when I woke up, felt a ton better. I think it was the ibuprofen honestly that helped and the extra sleep. And throughout that day, I felt a little bit run down, kind of like I'd been fighting something off um yesterday and then that was it. I woke up this morning and and feel almost 100%, probably like 97.3% myself, but I'm just I'm glad to have that done and hoping that we can move away from all of how hard it's been and that kids can go back to school, people can go back to work if you want to. I know a lot of you are going to continue to work from home and just get on with our lives. Also, just a quick reminder, if you're not following me on Instagram, I'm at hey Andrea Owen over there. You know what is one of my favorite things, a couple of my favorite things on Instagram. When you tag me on Insta, on the gram, I think that's what we're calling it these days, When you're listening to the podcast, I am going to start to always repost those. And sometimes I would miss them and then I was gone for eight months. So from now here on out, if you take a screenshot of listening to the show, tag me and or tag me while you're reading one of my books, I will always give you a shout out. I appreciate you sharing so much. All right. All right let's talk about our guest today. Terry Cole has been on at least twice before. She is such an incredible expert around many topics, mainly codependence and boundaries. So if you're like many of us, you might struggle with some codependence. And when we struggle with codependence, we have poor boundaries. And so these two topics go hand in hand. If you haven't listened to the two additional shows that she's been on. I'm gonna drop those in the show notes because especially the one around codependence, so incredibly insightful and helpful. But today she's here to talk about boundaries. And her new book. So, for those of you that are new to Terry, let me tell you a little bit about her. Terry Cole is a licensed psychotherapist and global leading expert in female empowerment. For two decades, Terry has worked with some of the world's most well known personalities, from international pop stars to Fortune 500 CEOs. Terry has a gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and then actionable so that clients and students achieve sustainable change. She empowers over 250,000 people weekly through her blog, social media platform, signature courses, Real Love Revolution, and Boundary Bootcamp, and her popular podcast, The Terry Cole Show. And now through her new book, Boundary Boss, the essential guide to talk true, be seen, and finally live free. So without further ado, here is Terry.
0: Terry Cole, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I have a
1: very short list of people's voices who I think are the best ever. One of them is George Michael. The other one is my mother and Terry Cole.
0: (laughs) I love that. Thank you.
1: Your voice is just so soothing and wise and and matches who you are as a person. And so I'm excited to have you back on the show. I think this is the third, might possibly be fourth time. It's extra special to have you on because we're talking about- your book about boundaries. And I, I know that you've you've talked you've come on in the past and talked about codependence, you've talked about recovery, you've talked about love and relationships. So why did you decide to write a book on boundaries?
0: Well, you know, what do they say? You know, you you teach what you most need to learn.
1: Oh, okay. That's <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> and what I found being, you know, I've been a psychotherapist for the past almost 25 years. And I started seeing all of these, um, it was like patterns in pain of my clients. And as I continued on, when, once I became more seasoned as a therapist, I was like, wow, uh, all of these things go back to an inability to set limits, having no language, like not not knowing the, the language of boundaries, not being able to, as the subtitle of the book says, talk true, like just tell the truth about how you feel. And so I took copious notes over many years, and I just started becoming fascinated because of my own journey too, right? I, I was my clients. I am my readers, you know, where I was a boundary disaster. And part of, you know, what I share in the book is how I went from being a boundary disaster to a boundary master, and then thought, wow, if other people just had this This methodology that I've created with my therapy clients, this step-by-step process to understand why you relate the way you do in your relationships when it comes to boundaries and how to change what isn't working, that would be something really valuable. And so that's how I chose this topic.
1: Well, it's, it's so essential. And I, I noticed that too. So I didn't know early on, you know, when I started my life coaching practice and started writing books, how important and universal boundary struggles are, but what I came to notice, especially after I wrote my second book was that if someone struggles with, and especially, you know, my, my audience is largely women, if they Mm -hmm. struggle with perfectionism, people pleasing, any kind of addiction, codependence, (laughs) um, numbing out, like you, you at the root of it. You have a boundary problem. Yep. And no one really teaches it. Like I don't even think I knew what that word was until I was in my 20s.
0: Oh, n- nobody does though. Because we're, we're, we're putting out the fires that our dysfunctional boundary behavior creates. And we're focusing on like that fire, that thing, what that person said, not realizing that if we can get proactive with our boundaries and our precise communication, we wouldn't have all those fires.
1: You made me think of something that I, w- I, I want to ask you because I hear this all the time and I'm sure you do too. I hear people say, well, I just don't like conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I have my opinion about that. I want to know what you think when, when you hear a woman saying
0: that. If someone says I don't like conflict, I want to be like, "Hi, welcome to being a human being on planet right. Earth." And being I don't and want being... To know
1: anyone who likes conflict.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, like we're we're not WWE like wrestlers. You know, most most people don't love it. So, if you say I don't like conflict, what I would really say is, "Why do you think that learning this the art of drawing boundaries with ease and grace equals?" conflict?
1: That's the question to ask yourself. Yeah. Start there. I love that.
0: Because it's a limiting belief, right? That brings us to, you know, all of us have this paradigm in the unconscious mind, very unique, right? Yours is unique to you. Mine is unique to me. I call this your boundary blueprint. And it's basically what we learned in the family we grew up in, the culture, the country, um, the people we hang around with, all of it, about boundaries and we don't even know that that. you know yeah the boundary
1: blueprint i love that so can you give us some examples even if you know you gave them in the book but like the common themes that you see with a lot of your clients and the people that that follow your
0: work well one of the top ones for women you know folks who are actually you know raised as women is that niceness becomes this quote-unquote virtue Above all other things, that it's more important to be perceived as nice than it is to be perceived as authentic or honest. And that is a setup for being a boundary disaster from the get, like literally from the beginning mm-hmm. of life, where if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Really? Why? Wow. How about I could say something real that maybe isn't nice, but it doesn't have to be mean either?
1: It can still be kind. Mm mm-hmm.
0: Without a doubt, Um, all about, as women, we are socialized to believe that, you know, femininity means being completely selfless. It means giving someone else, anyone else, the shirt off your back, so to speak. Um, Giving, 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 like being this endless, you know, as Dr. Harriet Lerner, one of my faves says, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like we're, we're raised to be these, you know, endless, like fill up stations, right? That that we're, we feel guilty if, you know, people just come on by, we fill them up and they leave. Now, I, I butchered her quote, but you got the point. Yeah. Where we learn that to be a good partner, to be a good mother, to be a good friend, that you need to not have good boundaries. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You shouldn't hurt someone's feelings. You're like, okay, so... Here, here's the question. So when we really break it down, if you're saying yes, when you really want to say no, because you're trying to be nice, hi, are you actually being nice or are you just being dishonest? Mm-hmm. But we're taught Gosh. that, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 I remember in high school saying yes to this boy. I think I was only a freshman or a sophomore to the homecoming dance, and I didn't want to go with him. He wasn't creepy. I just didn't. I didn't want to go with him, and I said yes because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. And and I know that my story is not uncommon, but I, that is the first memory I have of doing something. It was a pretty big action, like going on a date with this to a formal dance, and I didn't. I didn't want to go, but I also didn't want to hurt his feelings.
0: Right. But, but look, that's, that's a perfect example, Andrea, because look at, look at that. It's basically saying how this person feels and what he perceives is more important than how I feel and my truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Because now, now you, you go to a fancy dance with a guy. He's going to be like, Hey, as next Saturday night, let's do pizza. You're like, Oh my God, no. Like, like and then we get bitter cuz we're like dude if you knew how much you know i had to force myself to do that but why are you forcing yourself to do it i mean i i know why you did but we're talking about being grown up in our lives and these things are still happening like a different version of going to the prom with someone you don't want to go to the prom with mm-hmm. all day every day
1: yeah Yeah. And it became a theme for (laughs) my twenties and into my thirties until I finally, finally figured it out and had to, and I, and I don't, and I don't want to be flippant about that. It Mm -hmm. was, and I would love for you to maybe talk about, about this a little bit is that I have found that unlearning these old beliefs that have been bestowed onto us that have been probably the beliefs from our mother and our mother's mother and our mother's mother long before we were even a twinkle in our parents' eyes, Mm -hmm. it's it's complicated and it takes a lot of work and introspection and self-compassion. And to me, if this feels like PhD level work is unlearning the conditioning and for lack of a better word, training that we Mm -hmm. have had as women, what do you think?
0: Um, yeah. To all of that. And, you know, the way that I describe the boundary blueprint, it's like an architectural blueprint for a house that someone else designed decades, even centuries ago. And if we don't look at it, if we don't bring it up from the unconscious mind or the basement, as I call it, and bring it into the light, it goes unquestioned or unchallenged. We think, oh, this is just the way relationships are. I need to give into what my partner wants, that's being a good partner, or I need to, wh- whatever the limiting belief may be. And now that's not to say, of course, whoever raised you, your parental impactors, as I called them, the adults in your life, of course, they taught you great things too, but the great things are not causing you pain. So I focus on the things that are limiting your ability to create the life the relationships the friendships the career that you want because having disordered boundaries and we're not going to say good or bad you know because there's so many myths around boundaries where it isn't good or bad it's are they effective or are they ineffective do they get you closer to what you want in life? Are they aligned with who you are or are they dysfunctional? They get you further away from the things you want in life, further away from people knowing you, like mm-hmm. actually knowing you. Because we could do this forever. We could go on forever and ever. And it's not, that's just one way of having a disordered boundary, boundaries that are too malleable, right? That they're, they're too porous. There are also boundaries that are too rigid, yeah if you get super defensive if you can't be in the presence of someone who thinks something differently of you if you can't accept another person's no and if you take that super personally and you know i'm, I'm shouting out to the codependents in the crowd mm-hmm. because i feel you i know you i was you i am a recovering a high fun, cu- recovering high functioning yeah. codependent yeah. as i call it and so it, again, none of this is um, judgment. So back to what you said, I agree that it takes time, but it is such a worthy endeavor. And as the book that just came out yesterday can teach you, it's not, my book is not just a book. It's also a workbook. There's also meditations. Like it's an an entire way of shifting your mindset and realizing that you can do all of this with ease, with grace, and when it's appropriate, with love. So that's what being a boundary master means. It doesn't mean you go around bawling people out all day or having Mm. like a fist fight in the supermarket where you know how people think that like the myths around boundaries are like, Yes. if you have good boundaries, you're a bitch. Yeah, you're like shaking
1: your finger in people's faces. (laughs) Like that's not what it looks
0: like. It's so not, but I do think that that, I'm hoping that this book, you know, that I've poured my heart and soul into will be dispelling those myths and having, being a boundary boss is something that is aspirational. It's becoming literally fluent in the language of boundaries. Because how can you, you know, when people go, I'm so bad at this, or I don't know how to do it. I'm like, hi, that's like expecting to know how to do it is like thinking that you could just pray hard enough to wake up fluent in French tomorrow. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how can you know you need you need someone to teach you? And you you need practice. language, scripts, practice, exactly. It's just like, think of it as like um, Babel, right? Isn't that like one of those yes. language things mm-hmm. or whatever?
1: Mm-hmm. Or Rosetta Stone.
0: Rosetta Stone, for Boundaries. That's what the book is.
1: Awesome. So it's Boundary Boss, the essential guide to talk true, be seen, and finally live free. The link is in the show notes, everyone. We're going to talk about some a free gift that you can get that's that will help you with this book from Terry in just a minute. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from one of our sponsors. One thing I've been focusing on a lot over the last couple of years is how to unload some of the mental labor it takes just to be an adult. Deciding on meals, making a shopping list, doing the shopping, preparing the food, and then cooking are several things I needed help with. So my husband, Jason, and I turned to Green Chef. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped. Because of that, that's one of the many reasons I love Green Chef, because it's so easy to have my kids help us cook these meals. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box. So you can not only feel great about what you're eating, but also how it got to your table. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company, includes recipes that are paleo, keto, and plant powered diets. They are the number one meal kit for eating well. Go to greenchef.com slash 90kickass and use code 90kickass to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash 90kickass and use code 90kickass to get $90 off and free shipping. And thank you for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. But I, I want to, I want to ask about good boundaries and what that has to do with relationships. Like it's sort of obvious, but can you talk about, I think specifically how good boundaries will help someone in their romantic relationships, whether they're single or dating or, or in a partnered relationship.
0: Right. Okay. So let's say that you're single. If you, when you're dating, if you our boundary boss, you can set boundaries and expectations early and often meaning. So let's say you're dating someone, you know, you're texting back and forth with it, whatever. And they say, I will text you on Friday and let's get together Friday night. Does that work for you? You go, okay. Then they don't text you until 11 PM on Friday night. And they say, what's up? Ew. Yes. That would have been my
1: response.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if you just wrote back gross anyway (laughs) period yeah (laughs) that's it but but what do you do you know a lot of times if we don't like quote-unquote confrontation we're like um nothing but but we're short we'll tell them you know how we feel with with um indirect communication or we don't respond at all exactly mm -hmm. right maybe we don't respond or we say oh when I didn't Hear from you today about the plans you said we'd have tonight. I just thought you had a flaky moment. I hope you had a great day. I'm reading a great book about to hit the sack or whatever. Right? You you can call the person out without being demanding. Mm-hmm. Expecting someone to keep their word is not unreasonable. It doesn't make you difficult, but colluding with the lowest part of that other person is literally you. Like you know, closing the door and and locking it in in the prison of like a bad relationship. I think people
1: are having like the moment where you know they get that pit in their stomach. <laughs> yeah. They're listening to this and they're like, "Oh no,
0: mm-hmm. oh
1: my gosh!" Yeah, you could reply to that text and say, "I'm reading a really great book. It's called Boundary Boss." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Per my I'll last send you a text call. to you, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. oh, wait, but I, let, and let's
0: do the, let's do the committed relationship one.
1: Okay. Yes. Give us
0: an example. Okay. So if you're in, and, and especially if you're in a committed relationship and it's even been only a year, but then I have a lot of people write to me and they've been in committed relationships like me for 24 years, for 30 years, for 15 years, you know, you have established, um, a boundary dance between you. I do this, you do that, you do that. I do this. So I teach in the book itself, and in the courses that I teach on boundaries, how do we slowly change the dance? Because a lot of times we agreed to certain dance steps when we were a lot younger that we're really resenting the crap out of now. So the the first instinct, a lot of people are like, I can't wait to tell them everything is gonna change. I can't wait till I get the billboard and be like, there's a new boundary sheriff in town. You know what I mean? So we're not doing that ever because nobody ever wants to hear that. And is not, they will not be My go-to on
1: that used to be like, (laughs) I can't wait to tell him all the things he's doing wrong. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I can't wait to tell him. I had that one down.
0: Oh yeah. I can't wait to tell him what a boundary bully he is. I can't wait. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. So we're not going to do that. But you can slowly but surely. First, I have you do an inventory of like, what about the boundary dance you're doing right now? What behaviors and all of your relationships, not just your romantic one, mm-hmm. because clearly we have boundaries or dysfunctional or healthy boundaries with every person we have a relationship with. Yep. So you start by doing an inventory and going, oh, I really don't like that. Every time my person is always late. Um, I'm home making dinner or, you know, that sounds like a uh, gender normative, but you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. whatever, or, or I've, I've done whatever the thing is and they're supposed to be here and they're 20 minutes late all the time. And they never call me, although I've repeatedly asked them to just send me a text that they're going to be late. Mm-hmm. So there is a proactive way of having the conversation instead of, I mean, who the hell wants to have the same fight for 55 decades? Like you can, yeah. And with no intervention, you probably will, but you don't have to. So you can say, hey, we've had this conversation before. I'd like to make a simple request that if you're going to be uh, late tonight, that you just text me and let me know. And if you're more than 10 minutes late and you don't, this is with a repeat offender, like someone who you've already asked them to do it 44 times and they haven't, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to eat without you and put your stuff back in the fridge. Because I don't want to spend another night fighting with you about this or being resentful, like I put in the effort, and I would like or whatever. So so you can that that's like adding a consequence. And now you don't do that the first time you you set a boundary. So let's say you never said anything to the person, right. and you go, "Hey, I'd like to make a simple request that if you're going to be more than ten minutes late, you text me, and then I'll know when when we're going to eat or whatever. The first time they don't do that, you can say, "Hey, Th- three days ago, I asked you and you agreed because part of it is you want to get the person to enroll and kind of agree with, it. can we agree to that? Will you agree to that? They say, mm-hmm. yes, yes, I'll do it. And then you can say, Hey, you know, three days ago, you said you would do it today. You were 25 minutes late and you didn't let me know, Oh, why are you being so difficult? It's whatever. And say, okay, I'm I'm going to tell you though. I'm, I will, you know, I, I really need you to keep your word And it bums me out because now we spend the rest of the night and I'm annoyed. Like, I don't feel like hanging out with you. I feel unimportant to you. I feel unappreciated. I feel resentful, exactly. And then we pick a a moment, if the person continues doing it, where you have to set a consequence. And it may not seem like a big deal, but when you change the dance, even if it's just, and that might be a silly example, but saying, I'm going to eat without you, and you actually do it. Even if the person acts kind of pissy or offended in the beginning, what you've actually said is, I'm a person who keeps my word, and I really do not, I'm not doing this dance with you anymore. I don't want to fight Mm -hmm. about the same crap. And that is a better way, and sometimes than drawing a boundary, than having the same conversation with someone who is not respecting that, because if you haven't enforced your boundaries, they kind of already know you're not going to. Does that make sense? Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're saying that that's how you tell them there's a new boundary sheriff in town mm-hmm. is that you gently, and you don't have to be super aggro about it. It is totally unnecessary Yeah. because taking that action is a very powerful beginning of changing things. Speaking up more, prioritizing your own preference. Maybe you're someone in a relationship who's like, I'm easy. You know me, no fuss, no muss. That's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like where a lot of us that used to be a badge of honor, or maybe that is a badge of honor. And Hey ma'am, maybe you are easy, but I can tell you from being in the trenches with my therapy clients for 25 years, nobody is that easy. Mm. That is a way of avoiding, (laughs) like, like there's no possible way you have no preferences ever. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying, make up a preference about something you don't have one about, I am saying, know your own preferences. I do a huge inventory in the book, which is like the okay and not okay list where every area of your life you start looking at and being like, does this work for me? The way we're communicating, the amount we're communicating, you look at your finances, you look at everything because that it's your life. And so much of the time we become habituated in like settling in areas where we don't need to,
1: mm-hmm. settling, right. yeah, settling, or worse, having someone take advantage of our "quote unquote" niceness, taking—they're basically taking advantage of our poor boundaries.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing: we listen. I promise you that the cracked boundary pot finds the cracked boundary lid, just like in relationships where you know Harville Hendricks will talk about that you know, we, we attract people who mirror mm-hmm. our childhood wounds. Mm-hmm. And from an op- optimistic point of view, that is so that we can hopefully work them out. Right, And then from a therapeutic point of view of being in the trenches, I can say a lot of times we just are repeating the painful crap we saw and experienced as opposed to working it out.
1: Mm-hmm. That is set, that is a great book that has helped me in my my marriage. I want to put that link in the show notes. There's two versions. There's getting the love you want, which is for couples, and then what is it?
0: Finding the love you need. Is that the one that he wrote for singles? No, it's it's um finding the love you want. And I think it's then, then there's keeping the love you find.
1: Okay. Thank you. Right. We'll for, we'll work it out. <laughs> It'll be yes. in the show notes for, for anybody who's kind of interested in that um theory that Harville Hendricks came up with. It's fascinating. I love everything you said. And one of the things that's been helpful that I just want to sort of tag on to the lessons you just gave us is what I have found helpful in my marriage is the way that I might come from when I'm making a request (laughs) that is an uncomfortable conversation is I am very honest and say, if I don't say anything, And it's exactly what you were saying. If I don't say anything to you about this, I'll become resentful and be passive aggressive and then be possibly mean and nasty to you about Mm. things that don't matter. But the real issue is this other thing over here. And Mm -hmm. I love you too much. And I love us too much to do that. Yep. Yeah,
0: I think It has a different feel
1: to it than here's what you're doing wrong and I need you to change it. So I'm happy.
0: Yeah, yes. And also the, the whole sentence starter thing, Right. Like figuring out how how to best approach your person. And I'm not talking about managing, right? In the way that like before. Manipulating. I, yes, both. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I learned, you know, from my mother, you know, men were people to be managed. That's it, you know. And mm-hmm. that's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about what you just shared is a way to be successful and to own your part of it, right? Because you are 50% of your marriage Mm -hmm. and your spouse is 50% of your marriage. And no matter who's doing what, that's literally all it can ever be. You're 50, you have your side of the street. The other person is 50, they have their side of the street. And so, so much of learning to have good boundaries, especially if you have a tendency to go towards codependency is knowing what is your side of the street.
1: Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So I have one more question for you, but before that, let's tell everyone about the free gift that they are getting um,
0: from you. So do you want me to tell them or you to tell them? I'm very excited about this. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll I'll tell them where to get it. So boundaryboss.me forward slash kickass (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you're going to get five kickass boundary strategies plus scripts. Because the words, so much of the time, it's the words. And again, these are scripts that you will then make your own. But sometimes, you know, like when you're writing something, you're like, oh, I just need a, I just need that root, that beginning statement. I just need, how do I open this up? How do I approach it? And so there, there are definitely full scripts, but that you can make your own. Because, And the thing with the scripts, though, is that as you go down this path if people are actually becoming boundary bosses and do the whole thing is you realize that having the the words is so important but getting all of that stuff your your boundary blueprint that stuff in the unconscious mind the basement of your mind is also incredibly important because you are the way you are for some really good reasons which doesn't mean you can't change it but like nothing is wrong with you you know what i mean
1: right I'm glad right. you said that. Exactly. Okay. So, boundaryboss.me/kickass. Kickass is all one word, and that link again is in the show notes. I'm just, I'm, I got really excited that you have scripts because, again, that that's what I hear so much from people is I don't know what to say. And every time I'm working with a client one-on-one, and I'm I'm helping them, I'm like, well, you could say, here's what I would say. They're furiously scribbling, and they're like, hold on, <laughs> write that down. And it's it's really it. I have to also acknowledge that how much work I've done to be able to help people through this. And and I just know that they appreciate those scripts so much. So thank you so much for, for giving that to everybody. Yes, and and,
0: and everyone, I want to say the, that one of the, actually there is a whole entire chapter in the book that is all scripts. Like, what do you say when you're nosy aunt's Like, why don't you have kids yet? What do you, like all the questions, all of the scenarios. So literally there's like, I don't even know. 800 there's a zillion scripts in the book itself but towards oh the end gosh, of the it's book Oh, like
1: a glossary. It
0: is. I love it. Someone gross is hitting on you. Where do I get that? Okay. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Where's my
1: book? They're going to have to carry this around in their bag. <laughs> in Indeed. In their car. Okay, I want to I want to talk about 2020 and how difficult it was for so many people. And I think what happened in terms of boundaries is obviously people were home, starting to work from home, having to change things with their coworkers, Uh, you know, the political, racial and civil unrest that was happening, you know, the divisiveness. And I feel like boundaries got tested a lot not that they weren't Mm -hmm. before, but how can we use this time to recalibrate and, and hopefully 2021 will be a better year for boundaries?
0: Well, part of it is the way that I look at the pandemic up and even till now, you know I mean? Is that the change in our lifestyles, nobody was immune, right? Most of us were sheltering in place and in a way spending a lot, a lot of time with folks that we love, but that we were spending maybe- three hours a day with before. And now you're spending all the time. What it really did is like, it's shown a spotlight on the boundary dysfunction in so many relationships. And then bring that to the, you know, the public facing view. So you have that, which is in your own home and in your own relationships, in your own family, then the public facing view is, are you Everyone had different, you know, some people were like, I don't believe in science and I'm not going to wear a mask. And if you wear a mask, it's a political statement or whatever. You had to decide, well, if grandpa refuses to wear a mask, I actually was interviewed by the Boston Globe during, during that time around, what do you do? My father is, you know, he wants to see my kids and won't wear a mask. I'm like, "Um, but he will, or don't let him see your kids. Like, how about It's they lived somewhere warm. I was like, how about they come to the backyard Mm -hmm. and if your dad does not have a mask on and you can give him the choice, he's not even coming on the deck and he can talk to the kids from the backyard. And that's that. Like you as a parent have have a job, you know? And this woman actually followed up with me and she was able to do it. And even though the father was kind of a little pissy about it, but she felt really good about herself because she was protecting what she believed and wanting to keep her kids safe and really wanting to keep her dad safe as well because she didn't know if her kids were carriers with no symptoms, like we don't know. Mm -hmm. And this was relatively early on in the pandemic where really nobody knew. So I think that we were put into situations where that was a woman who would never have drawn a boundary or asserted herself or spoke truthfully in that way if it meant going up against her father. It was a very patriarchal family system And so many of us have been in these brand new situations where you have to call someone out, even though, or avoid people altogether. But it's so much anxiety for my clients too, of having people have disagreements about it. And the political thing had already been bad, especially in the US, where there are people who were like, well, the only way I can still talk to my family is if we, you know, politics is off the table. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, that's a boundary. Mm -hmm. Or you can talk respectfully to each other, but it seemed that there was so much polarization that that became very difficult. But how is it an opportunity to recalibrate? Because that's really the exciting thing is that anytime our regular routine gets interrupted. So when someone has a, a trauma in their life, what ends up happening is that our defense mechanisms that are so securely in place, like our We have habitual behavior, habitual thought patterns. I get up, I do this, I burn through the day, I come home, I do this. All of that changed for lots and lots and lots of folks. And so as much as people felt a lot of anxiety and felt very unsteady about that, this moment has been and still is an opportunity to do a lot of growth, a lot of growing in a short time period of time. So anything dramatic or traumatic, therapeutically speaking, it's like it opens the window to transformation. You just got to like stick your arm or your foot through and then throw your body through and decide you're going to do something different. You're going to learn something different. You're going to, instead of just being afraid, you're going to uncover why it's so hard to have that kind of a conversation. You're gonna have compassion for yourself and the little kid inside of you. And these are all the things that I teach in the book. Like there's a step-by-step process that no one expects you to not be able to do this and then to be able to do this like a pro. Mm -hmm. There is five pillars of self-mastery that I created over the many years I've been doing this. And it's baby steps, one step at a time, because it's that consistency that actually creates sustainable change, which is what transformation is. You know, Andrew, because it's right. like we can change. You could be a vegan, then you're not a vegan, right? That's just regular change. Transformation is the change that the foundation, something has changed so much that you would never be able to go back to that small box you used to live in.
1: Yes. Can I, I I lied, I have one more question.
0: (laughs) Sure, of course.
1: (laughs) Well, I want to share a story, um, a personal story, and I'm going to have to be very vague about the people involved. And then I, I would love for you to give your advice about what to do when this happens. And I know that you talked about this in the book, but, and I've seen this with clients as well. And it happened to me for the first time really in my face. So I had set a boundary with someone And then this person was going through a really hard time. And I reached out to this person, this person expressed that they were hurt basically by the boundary that I had set. Mm -hmm. And I made suggestions about, you know, like maybe we should have a conversation with a therapist and this person got really angry Mm -hmm. and started to be really hurtful, like saying mean things, hurting my Mm -hmm. feelings on purpose. Mm -hmm. And this was our old pattern. And I refused to um, do that dance anymore. And for a moment I thought, am I the asshole? Like, did I set a boundary and shouldn't have done it? Like I found myself going to that place of- Mm -hmm. Oh this person is hurt and maybe maybe I'm a jerk maybe I'm holier than thou <laughs> and think I'm too big for my britches and <laughs> and luckily I have you know a friend like you and and who mm-hmm. can who I can say am I the asshole and they can mm-hmm. sort of talk me off the ledge and also if I was the asshole they would tell me but here's what I found is that this person that I set a boundary with didn't like my boundary they liked me better and in so many words this person told me that they liked me better before they liked me better 15 years ago And um, it was rough for me having to stand in it, knowing that this person was hurt and knowing that this person was unwilling
0: to evolve themselves.
1: (laughs) It was grief. It it really was grief.
0: So what's the question?
1: I'm asking for a friend. Um, I think (laughs) just for someone listening who might be hesitant because I like to be really transparent with people and I'm like, here's here's what might happen. Like it's not yeah. all unicorns and rainbows over there.
0: Oh, yes. It,
1: it can be hard. And, I, and I'm thinking of family members when you were talking about the political divide that's mm-hmm. happening in a lot of families. And I also see this in parents and their adult children mm-hmm. and also adult children with their parents mm-hmm. that this can get complicated. And so I guess the question is, What is a step people can take to stand in their boundary when someone is extremely unhappy with it?
0: Okay. That's that's a great question. So in the book, I talk about the desire to undo the boundary. When you first start drawing boundaries, it's called boundary reversal, where every part of your, every fiber of your body wants to call them back and be like, nah, you know what? I was just kidding. I don't mean it. It's okay. You could keep doing whatever you were doing. It's fine. Um, because, and we do do that. Like the, sometimes the person will be like, oh, okay, well, I'll change that. Well, it's fine. No, it, it's fine. Listen, whatever. So we don't let them correct the behavior and we desperately, we want to be seen when we say the thing and we draw the boundary, but then we want to be loved and accepted and we don't want to be rejected or have anyone be mad at us. So that's where the desire to reverse the boundary comes in. Mm-hmm. So I always suggest that you you don't do anything no matter how much you want to reverse it for at least 48 hours.
1: Take a beat. Yeah, I like that.
0: Take a beat. And if the person goes on to say, like you're saying hurtful things, they're like this, they're, you, you are now being a jerk because you drew this boundary. I would say, you know what, Betty? I'm really sorry that you're hurt. And yet my job is to honestly express my boundaries, my limits, taking care of me is my job. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry. And if you don't like this boundary, but here's the thing, it's my job. You don't have to like the boundary, but if you wanna be in my life, you need to respect it. And if you can't, then perhaps this is where we part ways. So with family though, it's not that easy, right? Friendship is one thing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and family is another thing but you, and with family, you can stay lovingly attached. I have had people like pitching a hissy fit over a boundary saying, you know, you used to be so much this and that and whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that that you feel that way. And I still am not doing those four. I'm still not lending you money. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't understand why you have the money. You don't, whatever. I'm like, no, it's just my policy now. I'm not mixing my relationships. I'm not doing that anymore, which actually I told you the last time that you borrowed money from me and PS didn't pay it back. So the reason why I don't is because I actually love you Mm -hmm. and I want to continue to have a relationship with you and that getting involved financially in this way. Now that's so bad for the relationship because I resented you for so long after that first time and I love you and I don't want to. So I'm sorry you're disappointed. I can see that you are, and. I love you, but on this one, we're going to have to just agree to disagree or whatever. Mm-hmm, so d- mm-hmm. so does it make sense that the first thing is that we have to be able to tolerate that's, that feeling of not having everyone's approval every second of the day? Yeah. You know, there's there's a meme out there that's like, what, why are you worrying about if everyone likes you? You don't like everybody. (laughs) Like mm -hmm. like, we want, we want even people we don't like not to reject us. Right. (laughs) I think you're an idiot and I still don't want you to reject me. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. so, so part of it is being discerning about their relationship. Because what I find is that a lot of times when you start on this path of becoming a boundary boss, what you realize is that there are, VIP, like we make the distinction in the book and you do a whole inventory where there's the real VIPs in your life, right? The relationships that feed you, that are mutual, that are emotionally safe, you know, the ones, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the people who think they belong in the VIP section of your life because they're your second cousin or because they're family or because they want to be. And what you, so much of the time we don't realize is that, hey man, you're the only bouncer of the VIP section. Yeah. So if you got no rope and you got no, you got no guest list. Mm-hmm. Then, then you're literally twisting yourself up in a pretzel and rearranging your life for people who are not adding value to your life. And that's bad boundaries.
1: Yes. Oh, Terry Cole, I'm obsessed with you and this book. <laughs> stop it. Oh my gosh. Okay, Boundary Boss, the essential guide to talk true, be seen and finally live free is for sale wherever books are sold. You can get the link in our show notes and then make sure that you go to boundaryboss.me/kickass to get your free kickass boundary strategies plus scripts. Before we go, is there anything that you want to circle back to and say that you may have forgotten?
0: I just want every single person listening to know you can become a boundary boss. You literally can do this because I've helped thousands of women from 95 countries do it already with teaching it through a course. So just have the courage to think that you're worth it because what you think, how you feel, what you want
1: matters. Matters. It matters so much. Thank you, Terry Cole. And thank you listeners for spending time with us today. I highly encourage you to check out the other episodes um, where I had Terry on as a guest. I, for sure, especially if your ears perked when we talked about codependence, because we did not get into that today, but we did in another episode. So remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye everyone.